Welcome to a Beautiful Mama podcast, where we encourage mamas to walk in their amazing mom abilities by faith, beauty, and the realness of just being a mom. In this podcast, I'm going to share with you my fertility journey, which has been a journey to speak of. So let's get started. Hey, mamas, how's it going? So this is my fertility journey. Um, As I said in the first podcast, um, episode one, I mentioned very briefly that I'm seven months pregnant, which is exciting for sure. But um, it's more exciting when you know the backstory of my fertility journey. And that's just what I'm going to talk about today. I'm going to talk about my fertility journey, what I've gone through, what me and my husband have gone through together. And um, I'm going to give you hopefully some really good tips and some good perspective on how to process certain things that I'm going to talk about, mainly uh, pregnancy losses, because I went through three and this is my fourth pregnancy. So we're going to talk about that. (laughs) Uh, All right. So where do I begin? Okay, um, so like I said also in my previous podcast, if you haven't listened to it yet, you can go check it out. Um, But in that podcast, I talk about how me and my husband are married. We've been married for three years, and we've known each other since 2007. It's now 2020, so you do the math. We're super close, like literally best friends. And um, my story starts at our one-year anniversary. So it was our one-year anniversary, and I was, you know, it was hard because we didn't have any money to do anything, and I didn't know that we didn't have any money, and I was expecting John to, like, do this lavish one-year anniversary thing. Anyways, we had lunch at the restaurant that we got married at, which was in San Juan Capistrano. Shout out to El Adobe. They, uh, you guys, if you're getting married, check that venue out. It is gorgeous, phenomenal, and cheaper than a lot of other venues. Anyways, so we go to have lunch at El Adobe and um, I'm just so sad. Like I just start crying at lunch and we go to a park across the street so I can cry everything out and we're having this really intense talk and it's just really emotional, right? Two days later, I miss my period and I'm like, I'm not pregnant. There's no way I'm pregnant. Took a test. I'm pregnant. So I was really nervous to find out that I was pregnant and I didn't tell John until like four days later like because I just I was so scared about it and I took multiple tests. I took about like five tests because I'm like, no, there's no way. There's no way. And lo and behold, I was pregnant. So I tell John and he was so excited that it actually made me really excited because he wasn't nervous and he wasn't concerned that things wouldn't work out. So that made me a little bit more confident and made me think, okay, well, maybe, you know, maybe we can do this. And the next morning I wake up and I go to the bathroom and I start bleeding. The experience wasn't what I have been told about a miscarriage. Um, I've been told that miscarriages are extremely painful and there's just like blood gushing everywhere. And it you know, it's like a horrific massacre of a scene. And that wasn't happening. It was just kind of, it was kind of like the first day when you get your period, you know, it's like a heavier 
and then it reduces throughout the days it was kind of like that um there was just blood and I was like this is weird so I call my sister-in-law I hadn't told anyone else in my family like nobody else knew I just told John my best friend and my sister-in-law so I call her and I'm like hey this is happening and she's like well are you in pain I'm like no I'm not in any pain it's just like blood Um, and I'm explaining it to her and she's like well you might be having a miscarriage and then she started talking about like other possibilities but the moment she said that I literally like blanked I didn't hear a word she said and I just remember being like uh I gotta go like uh I'll talk to you later so I hung up and I go back into the house and John was getting ready to go to um a hair appointment so I was like hey can you just like go get your hair done and then come back ASAP and he's like yeah yeah yeah, for sure so he goes and comes back as he's gone I'm I just can't shake the fact that I might be possibly having a miscarriage and so I call my mom and my mom had one miscarriage before she had my older brother Um, and so I knew she would know what was going on and it was the weirdest phone call I've ever made because I had to first I had to tell her that I was pregnant And then I had to tell her that I think I'm miscarrying all within like the first intro. It was like, hey, mom. So I found out I was pregnant a couple days ago, but I also think I'm miscarrying. Like, (laughs) I think that's how I said it. And um, I just start crying and she's like, are you okay? Tell me what's going on. So I'm explaining everything to her. And she's like, well, you need to go to the doctor. Um, If you're not in pain, it might be something else. And so she's just trying to give me, you know, information and I just am not taking it because I'm just so emotional. Um, So her and my dad live in San Diego and they drove up to LA to come be with John and I and just kind of like walk us through just how to handle this. And so we go to the, we go to a a doctor, well, not even a doctor because we didn't have health insurance at the time. So we go to like a Planned Parenthood situation and they, you know, draw my blood and do a pregnancy test. Pregnancy test was positive, drew my blood. We had to wait a couple days to find out the results of the HCG level. Um, So we get the test results back and they're like, well, you have like your HCG levels are high, but they're not high enough enough to where they should be at this time in your pregnancy so you could be pregnant you could not be pregnant we don't know and I'm like well shouldn't you know like it's either I'm pregnant or I'm not like I don't understand and I didn't understand pregnancy at all like I didn't understand that your HCG level spikes within like every day it should go up thousands and thousands of points um I didn't understand that when you miscarry your HCG ends up going down to zero and that's when you know like you're not pregnant anymore. Like I just, I didn't understand all the scientific and the technicality of it, everything. So they were like, well, we can pull your blood again in a couple days and see if it's gone up or if it's gone back down to zero. And I was like, no, I don't want you to draw my blood. Like that's, I didn't know the reasoning behind it. So I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. So they were like, all right, well, I suggest that you just kind of wait it out. Um, and if you end up being in pain, then go to the hospital. I'm like, all right, fine, whatever. So at this point, John um, John and I were on leadership roles at our church. We were both the youth directors at the time. And we had owned our own company or started our own company. Um, so we weren't rolling in the dough, but you know, 
we worked from home so it was we were, and we also did freelance work so it was, our lives were kind of you know all over the place and one of the things was that John and I were supposed to go on this leadership retreat for our church to help plan out the next year uh, again remind you this is in October right after our one-year anniversary so I wait about a week from the moment that I start bleeding to the moment this next moment I'm going to talk about is about a week span so we're supposed to go on this leadership retreat and the morning of we were going to carpool with this other couple it was about two hours away and the morning of I'm like John I don't think I should go like just something feels off I'm starting to get kind of crampy but I'm not in pain and I feel like I just need to be somewhere that I'm comfortable and everyone on the staff knew what was happening they knew that we found out we were pregnant they knew that I was bleeding they knew that this could possibly be a bad situation so um, I'm like it's okay you know you don't have to explain to anyone they'll understand and John's like okay well I'm gonna go and I'm like okay that's fine you could totally go like that is 100% okay with me. I don't think I'm in danger. So John goes, he carpools and he's two hours away. Probably two hours later or three hours later, um, I start getting excruciating pains um, around my abdominum and I can't even walk down the hall of our house and I'm like lying on the bed. I call my parents and I'm like, I'm in so much pain. I don't know what to do. And at this point, I'm still bleeding, but it's not as heavy. And my dad's like, you need to go to the hospital. Um, do you want me to call an ambulance? And I'm like, no, no ambulance. I'll have a friend take me. And um, they're like, well, we're coming up. So they come up. They meet me and my friend at urgent care. We go to urgent care and they're like, we can't help you because we don't have an ultrasound. So you need to go to um, the emergency room. You need to go to the hospital. So I don't know this area at all. I was in Long Beach. So I'm on Yelp trying to find the closest hospital possible and the closest hospital was this one tiny little hospital so we drive to that and we get into the emergency room they're taking my blood they're you know setting me up whatever the doctor comes in and says hey we're gonna do an ultrasound and if we see anything um, what we're looking for is if this is an ectopic pregnancy I had never heard of an ectopic pregnancy before that moment and I'm like okay what is that and he's like well so what happens is um the the egg doesn't make it down to your uterus and it doesn't like attach to your uterine wall so it can grow what happens is it gets stuck in your fallopian tube um, which is the pathway to your uterus you know he's trying to explain it to me and I'm like okay so what happens if that's what it is and he's like well we're looking for a mass or something on your fallopian tube um and if that's the case we'll admit you and we'll go from there and i'm like okay so we go into the ultrasound and they do a transvaginal ultrasound um if you don't know what that is you can look it up (laughs) it it was excruciatingly painful not because of the ultrasound itself but because they found a mass on my fallopian tube and the uh, i think it's called a doppel or something like that um the camera was literally pushing up against my ovaries and my fallopian tube which was causing so much pain so I was like literally shaking on the bed so they roll me back they give me me a bunch of Advil and morphine to help um to help with the pain and just like 
Uh, so we're waiting. The doctor comes back and he says, so we found a mass. So we're going to go ahead and admit you. And I'm like, okay. So they admit me into the hospital. John, thank God, is at the hospital by this time. So John gets to the hospital. We catch him up on everything. And it's just like this rush of emotion. We don't know what's going on. And no one's really explaining anything either. We're just kind of here. And all I know is that there's a mass on my fallopian tube. And that's about it. So the doctor comes in and he's like, okay, so this is what we're going to do. We're going to wait and see if you pass this pregnancy or if you pass this miscarriage naturally. So we'll be watching you. Um, We'll take your HCG levels every four hours and wait for something to happen. So what we're looking for is you either pass it naturally or we're looking for your HCG level to spike. And if it spikes, then we'll do surgery. And I'm like, "Uh, okay. So my parents are with us. John's with me. So the hospital itself was not great. Um, They're taking my HCG levels every four hours and I'm there for three days. Three days. On the third day, I'm getting pretty antsy and I'm like, I haven't seen my doctor since I first got admitted. It's just been the nurses and I'm now racking up this hospital bill and no one's explaining anything to me. So I'm going to get some answers. So I asked the nurse, hey, where's the doctor? Can I talk to him? Oh, he's not here. He's at another hospital. Okay, cool. Well, when will he be here? Oh, he'll be here tonight. Okay, cool. When he gets here, can you let him know I want to talk to him? Yeah, sure. Awesome. As she's like drawing my blood again, uh, my dad looks at the chart um, my, my chart or whatever. And he notices that there's like four blocks where my HCG level wasn't written down. And my dad asks her, Hey, how come, um, that like, it's not tracked. And she's like, Oh, I don't know. I just, I'm, I just started this shift. So I don't know. And my dad's like, okay, cool. Well, um, can you get me your supervisor on the phone? Oh, no, I can't do that. Well, why not? Um, because we don't have a phone for that. And my dad's like, awesome. Can you get me his number? I'll call him on my phone. And she's like, oh, hold on. So she goes out and another nurse comes in um, and she's like, well, what's the problem? And my dad's like, nothing. I just really like to talk to your supervisor. So after like 30 minutes of trying to convince this woman that she's about to be in so much trouble, if she doesn't get the supervisor on the phone, she brings the hospital phone to my dad and she's like, here's the supervisor. And he's like the head of the hospital, right? So my dad is explaining to the head of the hospital, hey, bro, and I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but he's like, hey, man, so I was looking up this hospital online and I know that your ratings are horrible. And I know that you have all these reviews, which I don't know so much about hospitals personally, but my dad knows a lot about hospitals because he's worked with a lot of hospitals. And one, like if they had one major review, the hospital could be shut down. It could be like a lawsuit and it'd be this whole thing. And my dad was researching so much that he knew the hospital was in that place of being shut down any minute. So my dad's using that as leverage and he's never like this. Like my dad is the most loving man ever, but his daughter 
is in a freaking hospital bed for three hours or for three days and no one's helping us. So he's like explaining to this guy, like, hey, I understand your situation. This could go two ways. How do you want to handle it? It can go bad for you if you do nothing. If you step in and fix this situation, it could go possibly well. It's your choice. And the guy's like, well, explain to me what's going on. So I'm explaining to the supervisor from start to finish, this is what's happening. This is where we're at. I'm no longer in pain. Um, I'm still bleeding just a little bit at this point, mind you. So my dad starts explaining that they didn't track my HCG levels and just like all these things. So anyways, long story short, finally gets the, the doctor in. And the doctor looks at me and he's like, okay, and I'm starting to get really pissed off. And he's like, all right, so what do you want to talk about? And I'm like, well, why am I here for three days, first of all? And why haven't you come and checked on me? And why haven't the nurses tracked four slots of my HCG count? Oh, well, we don't really need to check it that often. Then why are you drawing my blood every four hours? And it's just like this back and forth. And the doctor's like, oh, well, it's just not necessary. And I'm like, cool, then let me go home. No, because we need to watch you just in case your floating tube erupts or something. And I'm like, well, let's not make that happen. You know, just back and forth. I'm like, your your reasonings are not enough for me. And I'm over you. It's basically what I'm saying. And he's like, okay, well, let me go look at your chart again. So he goes and he comes back probably like 15 minutes later. Mind you, during this whole conversation and this whole situation, the supervisor is still on the phone. My dad is holding the phone out so the supervisor can listen. And, um, the doctor comes in and he goes, okay, well, we're going to do emergency surgery now. Do you consent? And I'm like, hell to the no, I don't consent. This is ridiculous. One minute you're telling me that, you know, it's just whatever. And then the next minute you're telling me that it's an emergency surgery. Explain this to me. And he's like, well, um, your HCG went up a little bit. It was at like 300 and now it, and then it went up to like five, 500 something. And I'm like, but beforehand you told me that we weren't going to do anything until my HCG went above a thousand. And he was like, yeah, that was just like precaution because we were expecting it to go up higher, but it didn't. It just went up a little bit. So that means we need to do surgery. And I was furious, furious. And I'm like, well, when did this happen? How come this wasn't expressed to me sooner? How come you weren't here to explain this to me before? Like you didn't tell me anything about this and I'm going off and off and off. And I'm like, I want to leave this hospital. I'm going to go to a different hospital. And he's like, I highly recommend that you don't because your appendix could erupt through or not appendix, your, um, your fallopian tube could erupt on your way there, which is very dangerous and deadly. And you know, he's trying to get me to stay because they want the freaking money. And so I'm like, all right, give me a minute to think about this. And my dad is still holding the phone open and the supervisor's like, I am so sorry. Like he had no words to express like just how embarrassed he was about the whole situation. So my dad's dealing with the supervisor and figuring that all out. John and I are like, what the heck is happening? Like, I don't even know what's going on. (laughs) Like, this is just so much to process. And all of a sudden now they're saying that I need to do surgery. So my mom and dad are explaining to us, okay, these are your options. So we consent to surgery. It was my first time ever having surgery. I was terrified because they make you sign a waiver that if I die during surgery, it's not their fault. Like just all these things. And I'm like, oh my gosh. 
So I was there a total of four days. Um, immediately after surgery, they had me stay for like another 12 hours and then I was released home. So anyways, that happened. That was my first experience. We get home and I just got out of surgery. I'm healing from surgery and now we have to process the fact that we just lost a baby. That was probably the hardest thing to do. Um, so it took us quite a while to to realize, first of all, that we had lost a baby because the trauma of the hospital was so in- much and so intense and so uh, just chaotic that we're coming down from that and then to be like, oh yeah, you had a baby or you were pregnant, but now you don't and you're never going to see that child again. That was very, very hard. So um, to move along the story, two weeks after that, my appendix were up. So I had two surgeries back to back um, within two weeks of each other. So I'm healing through that. Just life was crazy and chaotic anyway, super stressful. Being a youth director, if you've never done youth ministry before, it is one of the most stressful ministries I think ever. So timeline, ectopic pregnancy was October Appendix was the beginning of November, and then now we're in March, and I find out I'm pregnant again, and I tell John, and we're super excited. Well, he's super excited. I'm not. I'm really nervous, and during this pregnancy, it was kind of similar, but not as dramatic. Um, I was maybe a week or two further along, and then I start spotting, and then I bled one day and then spotted the rest. And so on the day that I bled, I went to the ER because I learned my lesson. I went straight to the ER. I went to a different one and we had health insurance at this time. So it was a little bit smoother. So they check me out. They do an ultrasound and everything. And the ER doctor was like, um, the only thing we can do is wait for your HCG levels. Um, but we don't see anything, but that might mean you're too early. And I'm like, okay, so we get a call back about the HCGs and the, HC, the HCG level um, was at a normal number for where I should be within the pregnancy. So they were like, just waited out a couple more days. And um, if you stop bleeding, then great. If you can go to your doctor, great. If you can't go to your doctor, then come back. So I, I didn't stop bleeding, but it went from bleeding to spotting. So, it, you know, was reducing I couldn't get into my doctor, so three days later, I went back to the ER, and my HCG had dropped a little bit, and they did another ultrasound. They couldn't see anything, so to them, they're like, we don't think that this pregnancy is continuing, but definitely go to your doctor, so a couple weeks after that, we went to the doctor when they could take us, and I get into... um, This hospital was really weird. It was more towards LA. It wasn't in Long Beach anymore. Um, And instead of having like a doctor's room, they had just one big room that was divided by curtains. And all these women were behind these curtains getting ultrasounds. And, you know, just it was like the pregnancy area or something like that, which they didn't allow John back there. So I'm back there. They do an ultrasound. They don't see anything at all. Um, and they're like, well, we took your HCG or we drew your blood. So we'll just wait for that result. We'll give you a call, but we don't see anything. I'm going to confirm this as, um, you're not pregnant. And I was just like 
so hurt by the fact that this doctor wasn't even sensitive about it. She was just kind of like, yeah, I don't see anything. You're not pregnant. So we'll just wait for your blood levels to come back and we'll go from there. And I was like, wait, what? No, like (laughs) what? This is insane. Like you can't just say it like that. First of all, like this is a very sensitive matter. Like I just couldn't comprehend the fact that the doctor was just like, eh, yeah, whatever. So now I'm pissed and I'm like, well, what do I do? What are my steps? And her response was, you can't really do anything until you have another miscarriage. And I'm like, let me get me straight. Let me get this straight. You can't do anything. There's no test that you can do. I have to wait to have another miscarriage in order for someone to find out if something's wrong. And she's like, yeah, that's just kind of how we do it because everyone, like it's really common to have one or two miscarriages, but it's not common to have three. That's really uncommon. And that means something. And I'm like, well, that's dumb. Like I was pissed. I was so mad. And we get back in the car and John and I are stuck in traffic and having to go home. And I'm telling him like we lost the baby and we're just bawling silent and crying together in the car stuck in LA traffic. So that was the second miscarriage. And mind you, we're still on leadership roles at church. We're still the youth directors. And we find this news out like two days before Easter. So Easter was not happy for me or John that day. And if you've never been on a leadership role or staff at a church, um, Easter is a big day, especially if you have multiple services. So you're there literally all day long, just helping and being there. So that was very, very hard for us. And during that time, during the second miscarriage or the second pregnancy even, I was really struggling with God and my faith. And at the end, I was legit like, I don't care about you, God. Like, get out of my life. I don't want you near me. I don't want you any, like, I don't want anything to do with you. And I just, I don't like you and I don't love you and I don't want you here with me at all. And I was really struggling with my faith. I was struggling with hope and just anything positive. And I was in a really, really deep, dark um, depression at that time. It was really scary for John to watch me go through that um, because I've never, first of all, I've never been through a depression like that before. Um, But I've always, even through like the hard times, I've always known God is with us and trusted God and had hope in him and you know, all those things. And this was the first time in my life where I was legit. Like, it wasn't just like, I'm mad at you. It was like, legit. I don't want anything to do with you, God. And during that time, I'm like putting on a face and it, I was so numb to what my role was as a youth director. And I didn't sit in service and I just was so angry. And, um, I definitely played the part for sure. So, um, that was our second miscarriage. And then our third, um, we was after we moved to Las Vegas. So we moved to Las Vegas, um, in August, 2018 and January, I think it was New Year's day, like New Year's day. I found out I was pregnant and again, I'm like, "Mm." and mind you, my heart was right with God at this point. I came back and fell in love with him again and just you know I was restored for sure for sure for sure like life was good 
when we moved to Vegas. Like we were full of hope and full of just joy. So January, New Year's Day, 2019, um, I found out I was pregnant again and I was like slightly hopeful, but I wasn't overwhelmingly like, oh my gosh, excited. John has always been excited for every pregnancy that we've had. Um, but this one I was like, okay, I'm going to be real, but I'm also, you know, going to allow myself to be happy a little bit. And, um, it, it was the longest like pregnancy so far that we had had. The first one was basically like four weeks or four and a half weeks. The second one was about six weeks and this one was between seven to eight weeks. So, um, I was already starting to feel symptoms. I was really nauseous. I was super tired. Um, I couldn't eat certain things. Like it was already starting to happen. So it, it made me believe like, oh my gosh, okay, maybe, maybe I am really going to be pregnant. Maybe we are really going to have a baby. I'm starting to get excited. We had health insurance. And so I'm starting the process of finding a doctor. However, I was told that when you call a doctor right away, when you find out you're pregnant, that um, they normally don't want to see you until about 10 weeks, just in case. And I had that rolling up around in my head. I'm like, okay, well, even if I call, like they're not going to want to see me. So I'm going to wait till 10 weeks. And after 10 weeks, then I'll call the doctor. So we're, we're between seven and eight weeks. And um, one night I'm home by myself. John was out working and um, I start bleeding. I start spotting. And I had a little bit of cramping. And so I called uh, a friend of mine who's a doula and I start telling her, hey, these are this is what's happening. I hadn't told friends or family at this point. Like I wasn't telling anybody until I had a doctor confirmation that I'm pregnant, you know. So nobody knew. Um, I call my friend who's a doula and I'm like, hey, this is happening what are your thoughts? And she's like, well, I would just wait it out. Um, once you start having really crazy pain and, and so if you're having extreme pain and if you're hemorrhaging, then go to the hospital. But if you're not, then just like kind of wait it out and see what happens. So I'm like, okay, I've been through this before. Like I know what's going on in the back of my head. I knew what was going on. And then, um, hours kind of pass by and it's, progressing a little bit but it's not enough to where I'm like oh my gosh this is happening and then in the middle of the night like it was what you hear about just kind of the extreme pain and the crazy amounts of blood and I just you know I knew that we had lost the baby and but for some reason I was like so numb to the situation that I just kind of went back to bed and I told John, I was like, hey, I'm bleeding. I think we lost the baby. And we just kind of like sat there and just kind of went back to bed. Like it was really weird. And um, the next morning was church. And so we're getting ready for church and I'm totally normal, super fine. Like don't act weird at all. And on our way to church, I just start crying and I can't explain it. I'm like hyperventilating, crying. And John's like, what is happening? And I'm like, I don't know. I just don't want to go to church. Can you take me home? And so he takes me home. 
he drops me off and he heads to church. He's like, well, I need to go to church. I need God right now. And I'm like, cool, you go be with God. (laughs) I'm going to be home. So I'm at home and I get into sweatpants and all I want to do is just curl up on the bed and just cry. And that's what I did. I just cried. And my emotions were like taking over my body. And it like it was like my body was telling me what had happened instead of my mind. And I was fighting it in my mind. I'm like, no, 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 this didn't happen. Like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Like I've been through this before. It's not a big deal. But my body was literally mourning for another loss, which was so crazy. And so John comes home from church and um, he's being super optimistic, like, Brittany, it's going to be okay. We're, we'll try again. And in my head, I was like, no, three, three times the charm, like, or three strikes, you're out. Like, we're not doing this again. I'm never doing this again. If we had three miscarriages, that means we're not meant to have a baby. And we should look at other options, but, you know, whatever. I'm like, over, the, like, I was super angry about it, obviously, which is normal. But again, my head was like, you're fine. You've been through this before. It was like such a a battle between my mind, body, and soul. Like all three were going at it at one time. And so I yelled at John and I'm like, you need to be mad at this because you not being mad at this is making me even more mad. And you need to be realistic. Like the fact that this is happening again and you're not angry is pissing me off. And so finally he was like mad about it, which helped both of us, honestly, because sometimes you can't just be optimistic. You have to be real. And um, so we both cried and we both just, you know, processed it together as we did before and just, you know, but we kept it between us. We didn't really share with anyone else. And so after that, about a month after, it was so like February, I was like, God, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. Like, finally, we get to this point of um, I'm trying to research like hormonal imbalance and PCOS and how can I fix it? I'm changing my diet, do a whole 30 and just, you know, exercising, doing everything that I can in my power. And then I go to a women's night at our church. And at this women's night, there was supposed to be a speaker. She ended up not coming because her flight got canceled. So our head pastor ends up speaking and he speaks on this message. Um, so he speaks from 2 Kings 4, 9 through 36. And it's basically about, um, they call her the Shunammite woman, where Elisha comes to the city and she makes a room for him. And because of her hospitality, he's like, what can I give you in return? And she's like, I don't want anything. I'm taking care of my husband loves me. We're good in the eyes of the king. Like we're, prov- we're provided for. We're good. So Elijah looks to her servant and says, what does she need? And the servant says she doesn't have a son. And Elijah turns to her and says, by this time next year, you're going to have a son. And her response is, don't play with me, pastor. Like, don't tell me that because I've been disappointed too many times. So for you to tell me that, like, I can't handle another disappointment. And Elijah's just kind of like, "Mm, this time next year, you're going to have a baby. Like, sorry, already said it kind of thing. And so the whole message, if you want to hear it, 
It's from City Light Church. And you can definitely find the podcast. I think it's City Light Las Vegas or something like that. But I'll put a link to it um, in, in the notes. And so anyways, I'm listening to this message and I'm freaking bawling my eyes out <laughs> in like my seat and just overwhelmed with the reality and how like on point it was like it could have been about anything it could have been about you know any other story but the fact that this story was about a woman who had wanted a child and had been disappointed so many times and Elijah comes to her and says I want to bless you what can I bless you with and she says nothing because she's too afraid to even gain the courage to actually say what she most desires because of disappointment, that's where I was at. Like, I was too scared to go to God and be like, God, I want a child. I I kept going to God and being like, God, if this is your will, let it happen. If this is what you want for me, let it happen. If you want John and I to be parents, let it happen. Not once did I ever go to God and be like, God, I want a child. And, um, this message just was so profound for me and it just sat with me and I I went home that night and I told John, I'm like, I'm praying from now until it happens that this time next year we will have a baby. And John's like, yeah, cool. I'm with you. Like, let's be praying for that. And so, um, I started actually going into the room. So we have four bedrooms in our house. One was my office, one is John's office, one's our bedroom, and then we had a guest room. So I went into the guest room and started praying over that room and just like praying as if it was a nursery and just started changing my mentality and my perspective of like, God, you want me to, you want me to have these things because you put these desires on my heart. So I'm going to be bold enough to ask for them because I've never asked for them before because I was fearful. But now I'm not going to be fearful. I'm going to be bold. So this was the end of May. Literally May 30th was the night of the women's night. And John and I had come together and we were like, you know what? We're going to, we're going to do this intentionally. We're not just going to like, you know, see what happens and see if God moves. Like we're going to be really intentional with this. I started fertility tracking and I had the anticipation of when you start trying for a baby, it takes like twice the amount of time because you're like you're having an expectation and you're stressed out about it and your mind is getting overwhelmed with having a baby as opposed to just, you know, letting your body do what it needs to do. And for me to even have enough courage to say, let's try after three failed pregnancies like that alone was by the grace of God and so um the end of May was where we were like okay let's be intentional about this lo and behold we got pregnant in July so I had one full cycle and then we got pregnant and I was so excited I remember being really excited about it because I was anticipating it to take so much longer. So that alone was like, oh my gosh, okay, this really works. And then, you know, the thoughts of like, it's not going to last, prepare yourself for the worst, like all the memories come up and the fear and, you know, just all the negativity comes up. And so it was, it was a very hard battle for me personally, 
but I had gone to the doctor. So I found a really good doctor that I really love um, prior to getting pregnant. And I had conversations with her and we had plans to do a full, she did a full blood panel of everything and anything that could possibly be causing me to not have a, a baby. And so just like we were making the right steps to already prepare to find out what was going on anyways. And so I remember asking her like, hey, is it okay if we, we try right now, even though we don't have answers? And she's like, yeah, absolutely try. Like do it. And if something comes up, we'll be ready for it. And I'm like, okay, cool. That gave me so much peace. So it was really, um, it was really reassuring to know that we had like everything set up just in case. But I remember going to her, I was supposed to have like a uh, procedure done and I called and I'm like, actually I'm pregnant. And she was like, oh, awesome. And then from that moment on, it was just super easy and like everything the pregnancy itself has been just such a blessing and so easy. And I hate saying that because I know women suffer so much through pregnancy, but it really has been a blessing and God's really been in this and through every step of the way. So here we are seven months pregnant. We are expecting our first child, our first boy in March, and we just cannot be more excited, more terrified, <laughs> more nervous, anxious, but joyful at the same time. Like this is such a beautiful moment in our lives. And I know, I know, I know that this baby has such a purpose to be here on earth at this time. And if, you know, if he was here earlier, then it wouldn't be the same. Like I just know God's timing is literally everything there needs to be an understanding and a reliance on his timing through all the pain and sorrow. Um, and if you have experienced something similar to any of my stories, whether it was a pregnancy loss, an ectopic pregnancy, um, infertility issues, or, you know, IVF, or if, you know, if you've just ever experienced anything that comes with fertility and just the struggle of it, um, I would love to hear your story. You have a safe place. And the, the hard thing about it is every time I went through it, um, I found out more and more women that I knew and that I didn't know who had similar experiences or who had gone through something as traumatic as I have. And like no one talks about it because it's hard to talk about and you don't know what to do, especially if, you know, you're telling someone that's never experienced it before. But I will say like for yourself, if you've gone through it, the best thing you could do is find someone who is a support to you and talk about it. And even if it was years ago, like even if it was so far ago in the past, still talk about it because it's a part of your journey. It's a part of who you are. And I have become someone better through this process of these losses. And um, John and I have become different people and, and just become stronger people. And we see life differently and we see God differently and we've witnessed his hand in such a different way. And so um, I really highly encourage you to talk about it if you've experienced this. And also the one thing, another thing that I've learned is your environment is everything. If you are in a toxic, stressful, chaotic environment, then 
the situation that you go through is probably going to be toxic and chaotic and stressful. So um, just be aware of your surroundings. Be aware of who you allow to speak into your life and be aware of just where you're at. Go listen to that podcast by City Light. Um, Pastor Jamin just it's the best message and it's my favorite message, obviously. Um, but yeah, go listen to that and then just let me know, connect with me and I will chat with you next time. Thanks for listening. Well, thanks for tuning in to a beautiful mama podcast to stay connected and learn some of my professional beauty tips. Be sure to follow a beautiful mama on Instagram, leave a comment, like some content and have a beautiful day.